Thanks for joining Walt and me today. My name is Brenda McCord. Each week, we look forward to sharing lessons from God's Word. This podcast, Walk with God, is part of our ministry, Discover God's Truth. We invite you to visit the website and subscribe at discovergodstruth.org, where you can grow and be encouraged in your personal walk with the Lord. We appreciate the outreach ministry of TheAwakeningWorldwide.com. Welcome, friends. You know, I've got a couple questions for us to consider. Number one, what brings you joy? Maybe it's a surprise gift for a birthday, a special event, or I mean, a surprise gift is like totally a surprise. You weren't expecting one, right? How about lunch with friends or time together, a special coffee with friends? How about lunch with friends and they give you a surprise gift? (laughs) Well, that would be a, a really, that would give me joy. Sometimes it's just a nice afternoon walk um, on the beach or a mountain trail or a trail close to home, um, an opportunity. I know I was just out walking uh, yesterday morning and it was really quiet. I was out pretty early. There were no cars around in the neighborhood and I could hear the birds in the trees and, and it really brought joy to my heart. So Anyway, think about that. What brings you joy? And then here is my second question. What gives you hope in life? Now, I have to tell you and be really honest, I did a Google search. And, you know, I thought, I don't know. I don't know what I thought was going to come up. But do a Google search. Um, Trust me, you will get long lists of suggestions and they might not direct you in the best direction. I mean, not not horrible, but it's just, you know, where people look for joy and look for hope is different uh, than where we want to look in our lives. However, you know, in today's passage, Peter wants to direct our eyes. He wants to guide our focus toward the one true source of joy and hope. And in our last session, we ended verse two, we're in first Peter chapter one, we're getting started for a new season. He wrote, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So those two words, grace and peace encompass just some amazing thoughts in our lives that that someone extends grace to us, that unmerited favor, they give peace, They that there's peace in our life, in our heart. And now we're going to move into verse three. We're going to see some more um, elements of what God wants us to realize in our personal walk with him. So let's begin in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And I I just want to point out here in verse 4, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. I mean, those are 
eternal qualities, right? Those aren't things we're going to rec- realize and recognize here on earth. They're, this is kept in heaven. God is keeping this for you. This is our inheritance that God is watching over. And that's what we go into verse five, who by God's power are being guarded. God is guarding this for you, for me, through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, Peter is calling his readers to bless the name of God, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us this living hope. The under um, lying hope that here rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he gave his life, he was buried, he rose again. And because Jesus lives, he is in heaven seated at the right hand of his father, we also shall live, we will have that eternal life because of the salvation he has bought for us. This new birth grants us privileges. We will share in that resurrected life. And our hope is alive within us. It's part of our new life in Christ. Verses three, four, and five, Walt, are, they are packed. There is, there's too much here to, to just cover all of it. Just, just looking at these phrases and we've been mulling over these words for the past few days and just, um, trying to dig out, as it were, the, the gems, the treasure that is here. No one can ravage, destroy, or pollute. Pollute what? Our salvation, this inheritance that God is guarding, he is keeping it in heaven for us. And without a doubt, every believer will obtain an eternal inheritance one day. You know, the Apostle Paul states in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is where we put our hope. You know, hope is a big deal. And when I think of, of a head to heart here, Walt, um, these verses are just so full, um, as I just said a moment ago. And, you know, when Walt and I meet with people, um, just have sessions um, with folks who they're struggling, they're going through a really tough season in their life. And Walt will often look at them and say, hope is a big deal. And, and we'll see tears come to their eyes because they find themselves, as it were, just in the, the gutter alongside their hopeless. And even over the last couple of weeks, Brenda, you and I have been met with a, a number of individuals who feel hopeless for one reason or another. And, and, and it's not really true. They, they do have hope. Most of these people, I think, were believers. Most of these people have a sense that Christ has forgiven them. But in the midst of whatever they're going through, in the midst of whatever relationships is broken, in the midst of the financial struggles, in, in the midst of whatever they're going through, they feel like the hope is being sucked out of them. And that's what Peter is teaching. He says it doesn't have to be that, that way. It should not be that way. Yeah, and just to continue with this head-to-heart thought, because 
you know, we just deal with this so often in our own life, but then as we meet with people in in more of a pastoral setting, a few moments again ago, friends, I asked you, what gives you hope? And here's a statement. We need to identify hope, that source of hope, and then we need to set our focus on that source of hope. And I went to Psalm 42 and 43, and in those two chapters, those two Psalms, this verse is repeated twice in 42 and once in 43, the same words, why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? And then these words, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You know, we are encouraged by the psalmist here to hope in God. He's my salvation. He is my God. And then I think of these words from a hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. You know, if we're struggling with hope, then we need to adjust our focus. Where is my hope? It's built on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Spend time in the Bible each day and realign my trust to be in Christ alone. And even the chorus there, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting sand. So if the beginning of this passage that we're studying today in First Peter 1 is talking about hope, the passage continues with the joy of our salvation. Yes, there's hope in our salvation. There's joy in our salvation. Beginning in verse 6, in this you rejoice. You rejoice. You can have joy in the midst of trials, though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith that is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We can rejoice greatly in this hope and we can have joy in the midst of this hope. God will preserve both us and our inheritance until we receive that. He's got it covered. He's powerful enough. He's great enough. And though there are going to be various kinds of trials, and James chapter 1 wrote about this, there are all kinds of tests and challenges, but they test the genuineness of your faith. And you know, in reality, the Bible seems to teach us that trials are necessary for the Christian. God uses them to perfect us, to cause us to turn our eyes to God so that we have to say, God, I can't do this on my own. You must help me. You must guard me. You must guide me. A lot of times when we try to do that on our own, they tend to rob us of joy. And that's why Peter is urging his readers to bear this in mind. Trials do to faith what fire does to gold. They purify it and show it to be what it really is, valuable and proven and glorious. I, I, I don't know why, but for the uh, as Brenda and I were teaching through this passage right at this point, uh, I remembered a hymn written by a blind uh, woman who was blind as an infant, very young in her life. Her name was Fanny Crosby, and she wrote this song, To God Be the Glory. I'm going to read two of the verses and then the refrain. Verse one is, To God be the glory, great things he has done. 
so loved he the world that he gave us his son. What hope! Who yielded his life in atonement for for sin? He sprinkled. That's what Peter starts this passage off, chapter one. And Jesus opened the life life gate that all may go in. And then the the third verse: Great things he has taught us. Great things he has done. And great are rejoicing through Jesus, a son, but pure, purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our rapture, when Jesus we see. And I love that. When I, I can't imagine what it will be like when I see Jesus. This is for a woman that never saw her mother, never saw her father, never saw any of the people she loved. But someday, maybe the first person she sees, I would expect, is Jesus when he gives her a resurrected body and she can finally see him. And her refrain is this, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Give God glory. Let the people rejoice. There's joy. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son. Give God the glory. Great things he has done. I love that song by Fanny Crosby. And what a wonderful thought to think of a woman who was blind her whole life um, had really had amazing testimony in life um, as she memorized great passages of scripture and um, really was devoted to the Lord and so thankful for her salvation, the joy of her salvation, giving God the glory, rejoice, let the people rejoice. And so as we look now at verses eight and nine, the joy of our salvation comes through. Though you have not seen him, think of Fanny Crosby as Walt just shared that little glimpse of her story. You love him. You've not seen him, but you love him, Peter says. Though you do not do now see him, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, this is a mysterious kind of joy. Uh, we love this Savior who who we have not seen. Yes, there were disciples. There were some early people in the church there in Jerusalem and scattered throughout um, Israel who did see him, including Peter, including Peter, and it was with him for years. But but it's it's interesting, even as you're saying that, well, because Peter understands, yes, he saw Jesus, he saw he interacted with the resurrected Jesus. Um, but he's pointing out here, you know, you, you, those people who are reading my letter, you've not seen him yet, you love him, you do not now see him, but you believe in him. And you will see him. And what Peter seems to be saying is, I did see him. I saw him in life. I saw him in death. I saw him resurrected. But you can have that same kind of joy, even though you haven't seen him, that that joy is based on your the outcome of your faith. That's the salvation of your souls. Faith will save my soul. Faith will save your soul. Faith will save any soul of anyone listening today, whether you've seen the Lord or not. And I want to just even pull out here, i I, I like to focus in on words and then even phrases, but there's three big phrases jumping out at me here in verses eight and nine. You love him, you believe in him, 
and rejoice with joy. And then as we go over to verse nine, obtaining the outcome of your faith, that's the salvation of your souls. That's, that's the summary of all this comes. You're, yes, you love him and you believe in him and you're rejoicing with joy. And so the outcome is going to be the salvation of your souls. We experience joy. We will then when we see Jesus face to face, but we can experience joy now as well. Why? Because we have hope and we have faith and we have love. We see hope back in verse three. We see faith today in verse seven and love here in verse eight. These characteristics, well, as you were talking and we were sharing earlier, they're inseparable. You know, when we look back at first Corinthians 13, 13, these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so these come together here, even in Peter's opening words, our joy is filled with glory in that the glory people will see when God reveals Jesus Christ, this infuses our present joy today as we spend time in prayer and in God's word and with fellow believers, that joy is with us here, even though Jesus isn't physically here with us now. And as we conclude this introduction to First Peter, what a wonderful introduction we've just begun. But going back to what Peter said at the very beginning, I, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, I'm a sent one by Jesus Christ. I'm sent to you, and I'm bringing you this message, and I'm bringing it to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. You're dispersed. You're not back home. You, you you are really a sojourner. You're you're not where you're supposed to be, but someday you will. This letter was written during a time filled with trouble and persecution. This letter will be taught during a time of persecution and trouble. That's the days we live in. We're not yet home, but Peter's desire is to encourage believers because God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has an inheritance for us. We have hope and we have joy. Joy not as the world has it. Joy as God has given it to us. And later on in the show notes, I encourage you to listen to the song. It's called Hope Has a Name. And by the way, you should be able to guess who that name is. It's Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, who then has given us us hope, joy, and love. Let me close in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much that this book, this wonderful book, is just so rich and so full of encouragement to people who are discouraged. I thank you that you want to encourage us today as we read and study First Peter. You want to remind us that there is a purpose for the, the struggles, the trials, the tribulation, the testing that goes on, that you want us to be purified like gold, and that will bring glory to you and that will be good for us. So, Father, would you help us on the days when we're discouraged? Would you give us your hope? Would you give us your peace? Would you give us your joy that we know a better day is coming? And so we just commit ourselves again this week into your hands in Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this lesson from God's Word. Walk with God is part of the teaching ministry of Discover God's Truth visit our website at 
discovergodstruth.org. We appreciate the outreach ministry of theawakeningworldwide.com.